Amen. Amen. Awesome. Chris, your shoes match the rug, by the way. That's pretty cool. Anyways, anyways um, no, Chris and Tara and their, their family has been uh, just such a rock and an encouragement to our family in uh, just some high times and low times. They've been great friends. Uh, you put their six children and our four children together. It's the uh, it's larger than most Navy SEAL teams and more dangerous uh, when they haven't eaten. But um, anyways, uh, this morning we're going to be in the book of Galatians if you want to turn to chapter 4. And before we dive into that, I want to share just a quick story with you guys. Uh, I uh, am, a, am a chaplain in the Franklin County Jail as a, as a volunteer. I do there a, a couple hours. But I also, uh, for a number of years, got to be a chaplain for Creation Fest, which is basically like the Christian Woodstock, you know, around 10,000 people on the east side of Washington would come uh, and got to be backstage with some of those bands um, like Switchfoot, uh, King and Country, uh, you name it. Um, Andy Minio, Lecrae, uh, I thought would let me go on the stage with them, especially since I'm the hip-hop-homonymous. Hip-hop-homonymous and my rhymes are bottomless. But no, I didn't get to get on the stage with them, but got to pray for them. And uh, a guy that I really connected with is Jordan Feliz. Uh, he's written uh, a famous song called Jesus is Coming Back. Uh, well, anyways, I was working on this Galatians sermon and listening to my Spotify playlist and Jordan Feliz's song called Satisfied came on. Little homework assignment, check it out. It's called Satisfied by Jordan Feliz. And this really uh, touched me and, and it's perfect uh, kind of setup for what we're going to be studying today. Here's how it goes. The, I'm not going to sing it for you, okay? You're <laughs> but it goes like this. My heart, your throne. So I want you to think of like, Jesus should be on the throne of our heart. My, my heart, your throne, this life belongs to you and you alone. Let there be no divide and only you may my soul be satisfied. So good. Uh, this in a lot of ways nails what the Apostle Paul is trying to get across to the churches he has planted in Galatia. Many in these Galatian churches had a divided heart. In one sense, they liked the idea of grace but they also wanted to run in their own effort. They wanted to help Jesus uh, rather than rely on Jesus. And so they're, they're striving. They're striving to show their own ability. And all they got was the ugly stank of religiosity because they put themselves on the throne rather than Christ. And today's sermon is, is called Law versus Grace. And I, I'm going to be honest, there's some, there's some parts of this passage that are, that are going to be like some roundhouse kicks. I mean, they're going to, it, it's going to come after us. Uh, and I want to remind you, all other religions teach that personal correction has to happen before any connection with God happens. You can see this on the screen. I want you to maybe even take a picture of this. This is, oh, as we as a church at Crossview have been going through this, I've been saying this in the next slide over and over again every week. So I'm going to say it again. All other religions in the world teach that personal correction has to happen and then you can have connection with God. Maybe, maybe. Where the true gospel says that God connects with us first by his grace and mercy through faith in his son Jesus and then love and correction begins. Can someone say amen? amen. Isn't that good news? Now with this great news, we have to be careful, and here's the problem, you can see it on the screen as well, a big danger is relying on our own ability to obey God. This is dangerous. And so, 
Uh, we're we're going to dive into the passage now, and we're going to see the solution to this danger. And I want to give you a quick reader's tip. So stay with me for a minute. Here's a little reader's tip. As we are reading Galatians chapter 4, we're going to be reading 21 through 31. Here's the tip. Whenever you see words like Sarah or her son Isaac, I want you to think of the promise that would come, the better Isaac, who is Jesus, okay? Whenever you hear, uh, or whenever you see or, or hear the word Hagar or Ishmael uh, or Mount Sinai, I want you to think of y- your own effort. I want you to think of Moses uh, and, the, and effort and, and law, law. So uh, who's better, Moses or Jesus? You know, the, like law or grace. We need the law written on our hearts. We need uh, Jesus Christ, the, the better Moses, um, and all that. So if you, you, if you will, without any further ado, let's read this. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? Verse 22. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh. Well, the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. These women uh, are two covenants. The word covenant means solemn agreement. You think of like marriage covenant, all right? One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother, for it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, who, um, You who are not in labor for the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just As at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. So also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son for the son of the slave woman shall shall not inherit the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the, the free woman. This is the word of the Lord. So here's the big idea. Because we are children of God through Jesus, we can abandon self-reliance and embrace Christ. Abandon self-reliance and embrace Christ. I want you to think about this. If you're on a plane and it is going down and you, it's like abandoned, we got to get out of this thing. Are you going to grab your phone, wallet, and keys? Or, you know, are you going to grab the, the, the beautiful steward? Or, or are you going to uh, grab, you know, maybe the pilot. The pilot's about to jump out and you're like, man, you know, he, he knows how to fly. And so I, I, I'm going to grab his hand. He can't help you. The only thing that can help you is a parachute, right? In the same way, that's how we have to be with Christ. And yet some of us are gra- grabbing our, in our own human effort what we've done and our 401k and I need this and, and, and that. And it's, it's not good. We have to let go of self-reliance and embrace Christ. 
As a young kid, I was, um, I grew up in Othello, and then, uh, has anyone actually even heard of Othello? It is actually in Washington, okay, small farm town. I was climbing a tree, I might have been like 10 years old, and I, um, I'm up pretty high, I was pretty proud of myself. I called out to my dad, like, look, look where I'm at, and he's like, now try to get down, son. And so I'm trying to get down from the tree, and I'm like hanging from a branch, and I'm just judging the distance from my feet to the ground, going, this is not good. You know, you don't have to have a major in geometry to, to realize, you know, this is going to hurt if I, if I land. And so my, my father comes up underneath me. He's like, son, I'll catch you. And I remember him saying, hey, you got to let go. And I'm like, no, like, you know, come and get me, you know, kind of thing. And that's, that's kind of an analogy to help us see that we got to let go of the branch of self-reliance and, and let Christ catch us, the grip of his grace. And that's what Paul is trying to get these Galatian churches to do is to let go of the branch of self-reliance and religiosity and embrace Christ. Uh, if you want a different analogy, think of like a, you're in, in a dock and you're in a sailboat and there's no wind and, and all we can do is drop the sail and pray for God to bring the wind. Otherwise, we're just using a lot of hot air, you know, breathing on that sail. It's not going to move us. We want to be in a posture of like, Lord, we need you. We want to rely on you. Uh, look at verse 21 here. It's, uh, here's what Paul says. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not actually listen to the law? So uh, I, I want you to think of it this way. It's like someone that has a broken arm. They go to the, the hospital. They get the x-ray. That's the law that shows you you're broken and that you're a lawbreaker, right? And then you're like, man, you, you walk out of the hospital with the, 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 the x-ray results or the MRI results, and you're like, man, look what I got. Your arm is still broken. It's not in a sling. But you're like, I went, and, and look what I'm under. Look at what I got. And you're like, no, the x-ray shows you, you need a physician. You are broken. That's what the law does, right? I mean, I could just go through a few of the 10 commandments and go, man, I'm a lawbreaker. I, I need Jesus desperately. But there's some people that are like, I got the law. I'm good. I'm under it. You need a physician. You need a sling. You're broken. You need healing. There was these, these, these Judaizers, which were, the, they infiltrated the Galatian church, and they're going after these Gentile, um, Gentiles, specifically like adult men, saying, hey, you need to get circumcised. Hey, you need to obey the law better. Hey, you need to, and heaping, heaping religiosity on them um, that, that were sort of, they would nod at mercy and grace and Jesus, but they're really like, I got what you need. It's the law. And they were known as these Judaizers. They had more than a little infatuation with the law. And, and the point of the whole law was to point us to our need for Jesus, right? So they were very passionate. They were obsessed with the law. They, um, and they were confusing these Gentile Christians. Uh, they were really more excited about their good old boys club. Church was just more of a club and a holy huddle. Um, rather than being members that are dependent on Jesus, seeing the church like a hospital, pointing each other to the great physician, saying, man, I need Jesus, and look at what he's doing in my life, instead of like, look what I can do. Look at, look at my biceps as I hold on to this branch. Well, you're about to fall. I don't care. I'm amazing. You know, like... Um, so th these guys were, were concerned with religiosity rather than trusting Christ, and they were producing like a plastic fruit, 
you know. Um, legalism, I want to define this for you. You can also see it on the screen. Is believing that we can please God by our rule following. Our rule following. So how could people be so crazy to desire the law as their way to God? What is so appealing about the law? One theory is that it makes a person feel like they are in control. I'm sure no one in this room deals with control at all, right? Is anyone nudging the person next to you? Yeah? How many, how many of you guys, like when things get a little sideways or south, you turn into a control freak? Just raise your hand if you're a control freak at times. All right. Okay, good. Right? We're being honest. And, and with this, like you always have that outward certainty of a list of rules that, man, I'm following. You'll see these people, they'll post on Instagram, like their Insta story, like the Bible's out, their coffee's right here. There's maybe a cute little flower right there, right? They got worship music playing. And it's just like, just every, look what I can do. Look what I did. Isn't that cute? Isn't that neat? Right? They, they want to pat themselves on the back, you know, look in the mirror like Ken Barbie and say, man, you're beautiful, right? Like, no, it's not good. I shouldn't have said that. Anyways, uh, where you're taking credit for your own salvation and your ability to, to keep your list of rules. So under the law, it's up to you and what you do. Under grace, it's up to Christ and what he has done for you. So look at that really quick. Look at the dichotomy. Under the law, it's up to you and what you do. Under grace, it's up to Christ what he has done for you. Under the law, we have to find fig leaves to cover our nakedness like our first parents, Adam and Eve, right? They were naked and in their shame, they looked for fig leaves to cover their nakedness. Under grace, we find the son of God and his shed blood that covers us and, and his righteousness so that when God the father looks at us, he sees his son alive in us. He's covering us. He's in us. He's through us. Again, I want to say what Paul says in verse 21. Do you not know what the law actually says? I mean, do, have you not heard what the judge has said about your rap sheet, right? Like, and some of you are like, oh man, the guy's in jail. We know, pff, you need to minister to them, chaplain. You need to get in there. Their rap sheet is really bad. I, I, my speeding ticket got uh, expunged a long time ago. I'm great, but those guys in jail, you preach to them. You preach to them. No, we all have a rap sheet, right? Uh, Jesus says, oh, you, you've heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. I tell you to even look with lust. Oh, some of you say you're not murderers, but to, have any of you hated anyone? That's to commit murder. In a sense, so under God's microscope, under his law, we are adulterous murderers, right? Galatians 4, it got really quiet, Chris, when I said that. Okay. So hopefully I'm welcome back, but I'm, I'm here not to entertain, but to tell the truth. Um, so, so Paul takes them back to Genesis 16. He's like, man, you want to be under the law? Okay, fine, I'll take you back. And, and you need to wake up. Okay, this is going to wake you up more than coffee. In Genesis 16, he's saying, and he quotes this in Galatians 4.22. These complement each other. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. So Paul is trying to let this Old Testament story point us to our need it's like it's like an x-ray showing you're don't you see you're broken you're a lawbreaker on your own human effort you can produce nothing 
So Paul, he's, he's trying to show the stark contrast between law and grace. And he's using Abraham's two wives. Here, Hagar, who was a bondservant, who's basically like uh, Alice in, um, I just forgot what it's called, the um, Brady Bunch. There we go, yeah. Anyone else know, heard you grew up in the 80s? Okay, no. <laughs> the Brady Bunch. But um, so Hagar's the bondservant that is, you know, uh, kind of like the live-in maid. And then Sarah is a free wife, which represents the promise of God. Now, I, I want to talk about kind of the elephant in the room. What's, it's kind of awkward. Some of you are like, man, maidservant? Um, that's a little weird. So you got a slave woman. Um, yeah, maybe she wasn't whipped and treated like a slave in Egypt, but still, she's a maidservant, you know, and, and, and maybe Abraham and, and them, you know, treated her okay, but still, this is kind of awkward, and if the slave woman is not awkward, how about the polygamy, the polygamous relationship? That seems a little awkward, and so I want to really quick, you, quick take you back to Genesis and what God has prescribed and ordained, and it's Adam and Eve awkward silence it's just it's adam and eve it's not adam eve uh, debbie susie okay uh alice it's it's no one else it's just adam and eve that's what he ordained that's what he prescribed and so what, what's amazing and we see this in genesis 50 and 20 i'm going to take you to the story of joseph remember he's sold into slavery great evil is upon him by his his evil brothers that that was, they were actually, they were going to kill him. And then one of them is like, well, how about we just make him, you know, sell, sell him. We could get some money for him. So they saw him as a slave. And, and by God's grace and providence, Joseph moves his way up the line and is second in command. And he's helping lead Egypt. And then these brothers, many, many years later, they don't even recognize him. They're in a place of, they need mercy. Kind of interesting. And, and then he said, they recognize him? Or, or they, no, excuse me. They, they, he finally tells them, and then they recognize him. And then he says a really famous saying, and it helps us deal with like polygamy and slavery and what is God doing? And it's like, you intended to harm me, but God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done in saving many lives. So God is not saying like, oh, this is fine, but he's going to use uh, what, what they intended for evil, he's going to use for good. So, okay, coming back to the story of Abraham, God promises Abraham a family line as numerous as the stars. Last night we were watching the meteor shower and looking at the stars. I mean, it's, it's amazing, right? And, and it's like God is promising as, as many as you can see the stars, that's how numerous your children's children's children, your, what your family line is going to be like. And yet they, they wait and they wait. They're like 100 years old and there's no stars. There's no children. Um, maybe we need to help God out. Uh, if you want to just write this down real quick, the barrenness, the barrenness of Sarah is meant to show mankind's spiritual brokenness. All right? Because really the birth that is ultimately the most important birth is new birth in Christ, that we would be born again. But okay, that, that's, we're, we'll get to that. So anyways, they're waiting and they're waiting. They're not getting any younger. So they, they start, to, they're, they're like, man, we are really old. We need to help God out. And so they take matters into their own hands and they compromise. Sarah gives permission for Abraham to sleep with Hagar. 
who is, is again, basically the live-in maid. Now, church, I want to challenge you. I pray that you don't just, you know, get the popcorn out and like, you know, binge out on a Netflix episode. Like, oh, this is very interesting. <laughs> just look at that. That's really, look at how terrible they are. <laughs> They're just, you know, sinners, you know, just, and we're just eating our popcorn, observing this going, <laughs> wow. And yet I want to challenge you. I mean, this is where it comes. The word of God interprets our own heart. In what ways are we compromising? Let's get honest. Areas that we're not waiting for God. Now, it'd be easy to point out the, the unmarried couple that's enjoying the benefits of marriage rather than putting a ring on it, you know, and that sort of thing. But let's get honest on what ways are we compromising? Like with this land that's for sale or like at, at Crossview, we're trying to do a build out where we need to raise 550000 and we're only halfway there, and it's like, how, where's the money? How's God? Do we need to do? Do I need to put on a fundraising suit? Do I need to preach a little better? Do I need to try a little harder? Right? Or let, let's get honest about our, our phones. Like, I, and you can see this. Hopefully, there's a quote on this. What would my life be like if God touched my mind and heart as often as I touched my phone? Some of us. I mean, that that's an area we're, we're holding. What we <laughs> we're compromising our life, and I, phone can be a great tool. Especially if you're, you're lost and you're like, Siri, help me, <laughs> right? Okay. But in what areas are we trying to control more than screen time? In what areas are we trying to help God out? What ways are we compromising? Abraham again compromised. He and Sarah were tired of waiting. And so you have what, out of, again, Abraham has, has um, his first son would be Ishmael through the surrogate uh, mother plan to help God out. And in verse 23, it says, born according to the flesh. In other words, Ishmael was born by human effort. Isaac is born as God's own fulfillment of a promise. Which, which son, Ishmael or Isaac, represents your life? Now, little side note, because some people trip out on the, like, we need to cast out the slave woman, and, the, and they, like, take that literally on, like, oh, we need to, you know, if you're, you know, um, not of the right bloodline or something like that. I, this, what's amazing is in Revelation, we see it's a multi-ethnic multitude, that through the bloodline of Christ, uh, Ishmael and Isaac can actually come together. But to this day, there's no peace in the Middle East because of the infighting of these two, this family feud. So it actually even says in the text to use this allegorically. So let's do it. Let's look at a table. We're going to go old school and just go get the table out, all right? Here it is. Which, one rep which side, which son represents best your own life? Ishmael is an example of legalism. And in this, the person that buys into this is enslaved to self-centeredness, self-centeredness. Under grace, in the, the example of Isaac, you're free to trust in God's own ability. You're, you're like, Holy Spirit, come quickly. I, like, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I need you. There's desperation, but also liberation in, in, in trusting in Christ. He's the, he's the better Isaac, right? In legalism, you have Ishmael who's born by human effort and compromise. 
under the, uh, grace and the example of Isaac, he's born by a promise and a miracle. Legalism, under legalism, you inherit family discord and division. Even if you think of like a family or a marriage that is centered on, on, on this, like law keeping, it's constantly in a crazy cycle of pain rather than moving on to uh, glorify Christ. Uh, under grace, in the Isaac example, you inherit eternal hope and adoption. We become a blood-bought people. This is glorious and good. Under legalism, in the Ishmael example, uh, your relationship with God is self Focus, self-centered, it's up to, man, I need to correct myself before I wreck myself. It's like, uh, you know, under that. With grace and the Isaac example, the relationship with God is Christ-centered and it's, and it's in joy and peace and patience and kindness all in him at work in us rather than, oh, I, I think I can, I think I can. Look at my biceps, I got this. I'm hanging on to this branch. Look how long I can do this. We all eventually have to let go. And if we're not trusting on Christ, we fall to the ground and break ourselves even more. Paul is trying to wake the church up to not be focused on the wrong perspective. Ishmael was the result of unbelief and making your own way to God. In fact, something that, that really hit me is like, I've preached this sermon in the Franklin County Jail twice. And then I preached the sermon two different services. So, I mean... I got this down. I just need to trust in my mental faculties and my personality and here we go. It's gonna be a great sermon. No, like this morning, I'm like, Lord, help me. Help me to see my need for you. Help me to stay at your feet, reliant on you. And Lord, show me the ways that, show me my sin. Show me the ways in my marriage and in my parenting and my ability to be a friend to Chris and others that I struggle and I'm striving rather than relying. I wanna, I wanna share something. Setting standards is okay. Like there's a great book called Disciplines of a Godly Man. Like actually having disciplines uh, of, of solitude, of fasting, of actually praying. They, these are all great spiritual disciplines, but do you know what the whole point of those are? It's not to earn God's grace. It's to put you in a posture that shows you his grace has been there the whole time. Just open your eyes. It's there. Enjoy it. Taste and see that the Lord is good, right? So setting standards is okay, but worshiping those standards. Yikes. Do you see my resume? I've preached this sermon. In the jail and out. And, oh, here we go. Look at me. It's like, no, look at Jesus. And look at how this is, God has a sense of humor. I've preached the sermon the most and because I need the sermon the most. Sometimes God makes the preacher the, the one that needs Jesus the most. He's like looking at the church. Who is, let's look out here at the church. Who needs Jesus the most? Eeny, meeny, miny, Chris. Okay, no, right? And me, right? Okay, I'm sorry. Chris is like, You're, I'm not taking you on the boat ever again, but all right. <laughs> I want to talk, just swerve into barrenness for a while. I've sat down with young couples. It's been either five months they've been trying to have a child or five years. They've had some miscarriages and, and they're barren and they're struggling. It's sometimes, I mean, some great couples, like it's, it's no sin of their own. It's just like for whatever reason, they just were not able to have children. 
The whole point is not barrenness or your ability to have children, the most important, important thing. Not to make light of the pain of, 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 of someone having miscarriage and stuff, is, but is to be born again, to trust in him. That's the most important thing. And I, I hope that doesn't just sound cliche, like, oh, you're just, you're just pointing me to Jesus again. Here we go. Um, I, to be born again is the greatest miracle. Like, it's, it's amazing that this barren woman is able to bear, uh, you know, and have a child named Isaac that's, that's great and glorious, but an even better miracle is a woman that's never been with a man, uh, or, or she wasn't when she had Jesus, is Mary. Mary is a, is a virgin, and through immaculate conception and this great, I mean, the spirit working, she gives birth to Jesus, and it's through his birth. It feels like Advent for a second. I know it's not December, all right? Um, but out of him would come uh, a, a work that would produce new birth in us through his spirit, his spirit moving in us. The key is to be born again, trusting in him. We need the law of God written on our hearts by the spirit, the spirit in us creating a new heart that's not a divided heart, but he's on the throne that our soul is satisfied in him alone. And friends, I need reminding every single day on this. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Do you guys feel that freedom? I mean, I just, it's not good news. I'm going to say it again. And I pray you don't see yourself as students in a school. But that you see, you, you see yourself as a cancer patient that's in a hospital that just heard you are free and there's no more cancer. It's like you are, like this is such good news. You should be celebrating. Like let this ring out. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is, what's it say? Freedom. The enemy doesn't want you to be free. He wants in your parenting a crazy cycle of you like, well, I just need to try harder. I need to get a little more angry. I need, man, if I really am passionate or I really display some really good consequences, then my parenting, or how about your marriage? He, the enemy wants your marriages in the bondage of regret for you and your spouse to just keep a record book and a scorecard like legalistic misers rather than operate in grace filled lovers, I gotta say that one more time, right? That like legalistic misers rather than operate in grace-filled lovers. Been married 21 years and I am so thankful that my, my, my wife is a forgiving, the, the Lord has taught her patience because she's married to a guy with ADHD, but anyways, all right? Um, and I, I, I'm a slow learner. I got, oh, when I was 10 years old, I, you know, was really, you know, hanging on to that brain. No, I'm still, as 40, a 44-year-old, still having to learn that same lesson. I need to let go of my, my own ability and grab on to Christ. Cast off the burdens. That's what it's saying. In verses 30 through 31, it's like, Lord, take the wheel. Lord, I need you. Not, not like a couch potato Calvinist that's just kind of sitting there like, well, you got this, take the wheel, I'm gonna take it, snooze. But it's saying, Lord, I, man, I need you, and I, I'm right here, I'm, I'm with you, I'm like, enjoy, I'm like, here we go, let's go. 
Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Someone's like, man, first, I, I need to seek first my own ability. I got to try harder and then all these things will be added to me. My best life right now. I just need to name it and claim it and here we go. It's me, me, me. I, I, I. Instead of trusting in the great I am, it's all about you and what I can do. No. Romans 8, 2. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. As we close, and I'm not sure if the worship team's coming up or Chris is going to sing a cappella, but like as we begin to respond, I want to even challenge you to, to close your eyes for a moment. I want to challenge you. I'm going to tell you a story like it was incredible to see uh, a gentleman in jail literally translate um, in English a, a man that just spoke Spanish and at the end of the sermon he gave his life to Christ it was amazing or, or to so maybe you're in a place where you need to give your life to Christ you've been kind of just playing church like like a kid playing house and you need to give your life to Christ Maybe you're in that place where you need to rededicate your life to Christ. Or maybe you're in a place, um, like I, said, I, I met with a, a lady who's 75 years old and she wants to be baptized. A, she, as a really young girl, she was baptized, but she like barely remembers that. And she's like, I wanna get re-baptized, rededicate, even though you don't, she doesn't have to get baptized again. But she's like, I just want everyone to know I'm rededicating my life to Christ. Maybe you're like, like this lady that grew up in church. Maybe you're in a place where you need to get into uh, accountability. You, you need to um, get into a, 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 is it a road group or whatever it's called? Like maybe you're in a place where you just need to get discipled. If you're in a place of just self-reliance and you wanna just confess that, would you just lift your hand and say, Lord, I need help, I need change. Lord, just help me, change me, grow me. If you're in that place, just uh, respond to God, repent, and, and let him work in you. Lord, thank you for moving through your word. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your grace. And Lord, we just wanna confess to you our need, not just on this Sunday, but every day, our absolute need for you. It's in your precious name. And everyone said, amen.